Good morning, church. Happy Reformation Day. I don't know. Y'all know it's Reformation Day, don't you? Martin Luther, October thirty-first, fifteen seventeen, four five hundred and four years ago. I think that's right. Nailed to the door his thesis of Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, Scripture alone, God's glory alone. And we stand on that today, amen? In addition to that, we get some candy. So that makes it even sweeter, doesn't it? So, uh, welcome to worship. My family's here. My brother's here today, Joey, and his uh, wife. I forget her name because I call her Aunt Betty. But her name is Lindsay, but don't call her that. Just call her Aunt Betty. And then my little nephew's here today. Evan is here today. So I'm glad they're here. Glad your family's here and worshiping with us online or in person. And so today we're going to talk about parenting in an R-rated world. Men and women, husbands, wives, moms and dads, parents, grandparents. When it comes to raising our sons and daughters and raising our kids and grandkids, no longer can we play it safe. We can't play it safe anymore because there's no safe place to raise kids and grandkids, including Chattanooga. It's not safe. God said uh, that, that Jesus prayed in John 17 before his crucifixion. He said, Father, I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you'll protect them from the evil one. So we're in this world. We're not of the world, we're not to be of it, but we're in it. And while we're in it, we need to understand this world is the devil's playground. And it is very carefully designed, cleverly designed to indoctrinate your children and grandchildren with a hellish, ungodly, anti-biblical worldview. And so here's the question to every parent and grandparent. The question is this, are you willing to fight for the souls of your children? and grandchildren. Are you willing? Well, God doesn't just say, go get them. He's, he gives us a game plan. And in 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17, we have our game plan. I want to read the text, and then we'll unpack it together. So here we go with the game plan. If you're in 1 John 2, say I'm there. If you're not, it's on the screen. So here we go. I'll read it, and then we'll unpack it. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Father, we pray for the reading of your word, that you would be honored through the hearing of it, that you would be praised in the response to it. We ask it in Jesus' name and God's people said. So here's our takeaway, our main idea, the big idea of the message is this, choose Christ over culture. Choose Christ over culture. So I want to challenge you to choose Christ over culture. And to do that, I've got three challenges that are going to help us choose Christ over culture. Here's challenge Number one, take a stand against the culture. We must take a stand against a culture that is standing against Christ. 
So how do we do that? You know, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris last week, uh, a Friday a week ago, I think, they introduced what they are calling the first ever national gender strategy, a 42-page strategy, 42 pages, 42 Hey, White House, how about lowering gas prices 42 cents a gallon? I'll get behind that. Right? Amen? What in the world? 42 pages. And, and with all due respect to the White House and the president and the vice president, their gender strategy is not the first ever. Genesis 1:27, God our creator created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Amen? He created them equally. He created them uniquely, all at the same time. This is our first, foremost, and last strategy we'll ever need. And this is just one example of how our culture continually stands against Christ. So we have to realize that. And so we must take a stand against the culture. And here's how we do that. Here's how the Holy Spirit says we do that. Look at this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. So in order to understand what the Holy Spirit is punching us in the face with right here, we need to understand two words, the word love and the word world. Now the word love in the Greek simply means to fancy something, uh, to place at a very high value. Now, Christ came along and took that word agape, and he took it to another level. He said, no, love is sacrificial love. It's a love with no strings attached. It's a love that expects nothing in return kind of love. It's a love that says, I desire something or I'm committed to something. Think of it like this. It's where your time goes, and it's where your resources go. That's what you love. Now, we throw that word love around a lot. Some of us love candy. Anybody in here love candy? Well, this is a really good day for you, is it not? There'll be candy available, I promise you, all over the place today. Some of us love cotton candy. Who loves cotton candy? Yeah, I get a boo. I'm with you. I don't like cotton candy. But I do like cotton candy grapes. I will Derrick Henry stiff arm you in Publix to get to the last bag of cotton candy grapes. I love them. So we throw that word love around quite a bit. And we need to understand what it means. It's what we desire. It's what we're committed to. If you, lo if you love hunting, you are going to spend time and resources hunting. If you love racing, you're going to spend time and resources racing. If you love shopping, mm. Tanya loves shopping, you will spend some time and all of your resources shopping. It's what you desire and are committed to. And the Word says, do not desire, do not be committed to the world and the things of the world. Do not put your time and resources into the world and into the things of the world. So we need to understand what the world is to make sure we're not doing this, right? So the word, the word world here, which by the way, if you count them in three verses, I think it appears six times in these three verses. And the word here is cosmos. Now there's three ways that word is used in the New Testament. 
Cosmos is used in the, in the New Testament to speak of the place, planet Earth, the place sometimes. Sometimes the word is used to describe people in the place, the people on planet Earth. And then sometimes the word is used to describe principles and practices of Satan and his demonic, organized, world, Babylonian system with its ideas, its thoughts, its attitudes, its activities that oppose God, okay? So that's how the word is being used here, as the organized evil world system. In fact, one commentator said it like this, it's the sum total of human life in the ordered world considered apart from God, alienated from God, and hostile to God, and of the earthly things that seduce us from God. Erwin Lutzer said it like this, he said, Worldliness is excluding God from our lives and therefore consciously or unconsciously accepting the values of a man-centered society. So how do you know if you love the world? If the last thing you think about when you go to bed at night, the first thing you think of when you wake in the, mor- in the morning is worldly things and you might be a lover of the world. If you seek to acquire the things of the world in, an, in, in, in a wrong manner, then you might be a lover of the world. If you spend your time talking about things of the world rather than the things of God, if that consumes all of your conversation, then you might be a lover of the world. If you secretly grieve because you don't have all the, 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 the conveniences that this world offers, then you might be a lover of the world. Paul said this about one of the disciples named Damas. He said, in love with this present world, he has deserted us. He has deserted me. He's gone to Thessalonica. So the Bible says don't desire. Don't be committed to the things of this world system. In fact, why why should we not? Well, keep reading. Verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the love of the Father here is referring to the love for the Father. So in other words, these two are incompatible. (laughs) You can't love the world and love the Father at the same time. You can't be devoted to the one and be devoted to the other at the same time. Some things are just incompatible. You can't whistle with your lips closed. Now, somebody will try to prove me wrong on that, but, you know, some things are just incompatible. You can't cheer for the Braves and the Astros to both win the World Series. One of them's going to lose, right? They're incompatible. And so John is saying, look, the Father and the world are are incompatible. You can't love both. So if if one is in you, the other one is not. And this world system, by the way, it's more than a place. It's a posture. And for many people, it's in here. It's not out there. It's what's in your heart. God said, you can't have love for the Father and love for the world at the same time. They're incompatible. So how do we take a stand? Here's what we do to take a stand. Here we go. You might want to write these down. They're not on your outline. Here we go. Start with you and God. Mom and Dad, you can't give your son, your daughter, what you don't have. You can't give them that. You have to make sure your relationship with Christ is right before any relationship you have will be right. So start with you and God. Are you a follower of Christ? Have you trusted in Him? Are you serving Him? Start with you and God. Secondly, stay in the Word. We have no excuse not to be in the Word. It's not like you can't find the Bible. It's not like you can't find a Bible app. Every day you can have a verse sent to you. Every day you can get the verse of the day. How easy is that? To just pop up on your phone. Stay in the Word. 
Don't walk away from the Word. Stay in the Word. Journal through the Word. Read the Word. Meditate on it. Believe it. Let it saturate your heart and your life. Number three, stay in church. It, it, it blows my mind the, the links that parents will go to to make sure their child is in school every day of the week. But then you don't really care if they're in church every week of the month. What's wrong with us? Man, we got to stay in church. we got to stay connected with other believers. There's value in gathering corporately and worshiping together. And, and fourth, stay ahead of the game. You have to have a competitive edge. I, I am technologically and digitally challenged, right? But we have to have some kind of game plan, monitor some way, have some kind of monitoring system to monitor your child's use on these things. Got to have a competitive edge. Got to stay ahead of the game some kind of way. We have to take a stand against the culture. And it starts in your heart and my heart. That's where it starts. Secondly, how do we choose Christ over culture? Number two, verse 16. Understand what you're up against. Church, do you understand what we're up against? I know it's confusing out there. I know there's been a lot of talk during this World Series about the bullpen. Both teams are using a lot of pictures from their bullpen. And, and so PETA, the, the people of, of the ethical treatment of animals, comes along and says, you know what, they're urging the MLB all of a sudden to change bullpen because that word is offensive. It's, uh, how did they say it? Here's what they said. It mocks the misery of animals and devalues players. So they said, use arm barn instead. Doesn't a barn do the same thing? Doesn't it oppress animals? Don't you have animals in the barn? It's confusing, isn't it? So confusing. And this is what we're up against. Chaos and confusion and standing against Christ constantly. You know, I think about the... And we have to know what we're up against. The Astros and the Braves know what they're up against. They do. Now, when I look at the Astros, at least their vintage uniform, to me, they look like candy corn. Like if you put yellow shoes on them and a white hat, they would be candy corn. But the Braves and the Astros, they're not just studying each other's uniforms. The, the, the pitchers study the batters and the batters study the pitchers. They study each other. They understand what they're up against. They know what this lefty does and that right-hand pitcher does. And they know these things. They know what this left-hand batter does and this right-hand batter does. They study each other. They know what they're up against. Church, we must know what we're up against. And verse 16 tells us, it couldn't be any clearer than this. For all that is in the world, all means what, church? It means all. For all that is in the world fall in these three categories. This is what we're up against. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride and possessions. These three are what we're up against. The desire of the flesh, these are inordinate desires. Now, desires are good. They're a gift from God. There's nothing wrong with quenching your thirst. There's nothing wrong with satisfying your hunger. There's nothing wrong with sleeping or enjoying an intimate relationship with your spouse. There's nothing wrong with that at all. What happens is when we get out of bounds with these desires, and they're inordinate desires. It's living a life that's dominated by the senses, right? We get dominated by the flesh. That's when we get in trouble. It's contrary to the desires of the spirit or the desires of the flesh. 
So God makes it clear. This world system is corrupt. And when we give in to the desires of the flesh, we're just blowing the doors wide open into this corrupt, evil world system. And then we have the desires of the eyes. Jesus even said, if your eye causes you to sin, remove it. Tear it out. Right? Why? Because it's dangerous. Now, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with having something new. There's something wrong with having everything you see, you desire it and want it and do anything to get it. That's what happened to David. David saw Bathsheba. And he had to have her. Right? That's what happens. The eyes of the flesh, the senses begin to dominate over the spirit and it gets us in trouble to be captivated by what is new and must have it right now. And here's the third way that this world comes against us and what we're up against. Pride of possessions. You know this guy. This guy comes along and he's, he's self-reliant, self-sufficient. He's always got the bigger story than you have. Your house is 1,900 square feet. He's is 2,900 square feet. He's got no bank, no money in the bank, but he says he owns the bank. You know, these big personalities, big, puffed-up, prideful, arrogant attitudes. And God says, look out, this is what you're up against. The flesh, the desires of your flesh, the, 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 the desires of your eyes, what you see you want, and the pride in having more and more and more. The monster of more. Watch out. D.L. Moody was asked one time, said, Mr. Moody, now that I'm converted to Christ, do I have to give up the world? Here's what Moody said. No, sir, you don't have to give up the world. If you give a good ringing testimony for the Son of God, the world will give you up pretty quick. It will not want you anymore. So next Sunday, November the 7th. Somebody say November the 7th. Yeah, that's next Sunday. We're having a parenting forward conference on this campus and at the Point Church at Signal. Dr. Alan Branch, he's a Christian ethics professor from Midwestern Seminary. He will be here. He'll preach in the morning service on a message on marriage, family kind of message. And then that evening at 5 p.m., right here in this space, he will speak on the transgender revolution that we see happening around us. And really, how to equip parents to have conversations with their children and grandparents with grandchildren about these gender issues. And so, let me be clear. That 5 p.m. talk will be inappropriate for children elementary school age. From kindergarten to fifth grade, inappropriate. Let me be clear on that. So we're going to have kindergarten through fifth grade an option for you to leave your kids in a child care situation while you're in here learning about this gender revolution. For middle schoolers and high schoolers, it's appropriate. Okay? But for elementary age kids, inappropriate. That's the 5 p.m. session. Morning session will be fine. But the 5 p.m. session, just to give you a heads up on that. And you'll want to invite people to come. We have not, intentionally, we have not advertised this outside of our church because I believe this is to help us be equipped. And I believe that's part of our role, is to equip the saints. And so we pray this Parenting Forward Conference is going to help you. So I know, I know that oftentimes if anything else, if any other excuse comes up, we'll skip church. But next Sunday, let church 
be the excuse to skip everything else. You will not want to miss next Sunday. So be here at the Life Group Hour. We've got Brian Houseman here. He's going to tell, tell us how to parent in this digital age. So that'll be good as well. So be here next Sunday. The question, are you willing to fight for the souls of your children and grandchildren? Half the battle is showing up. So show up next week. Number three, last one here on how we can choose Christ over culture. Number three, withstand by standing firm in Christ. Withstand by standing firm in Christ. Now you and I both know this. We live in a tear-down culture, don't we? <laughs> We're tearing everything down. We're tearing monuments down. We're tearing traditions down. We're tearing institutions down. We're tearing people down. We're tearing each other down. Tear down, tear down, tear down. We're canceling everybody. Tear it down. Jesus came to build up. He came to restore, not to destroy. He said, I will build my church. I love that statement. The I says, the supremacy of Christ. I will is God's plan. He will build his church as God's work. My is his possession. And church is the bride of Christ. So church, God's building us up. The Lord Jesus will build his church. Even in this culture that is anti-everything to do with Scripture and the Lord Jesus, he will build his church. The NCAA, the NAACP rather, has sent a letter to the Players Association of five professional sports, NBA, NHL, WNBA, NFL, asking players to reconsider signing with teams in Texas. You know why? Because Texas has voted to protect the unborn, voting rights and mask mandates in the state, tear down culture. The culture is tearing everything, standing against Christ. So here's what the Bible tells us in verse 17. This is important. This will help us learn why it's so important and why, how we can withstand by standing firm in Christ. Look at verse 17. And the world is passing away. That word for passing away is in the passive voice, meaning it's being caused to pass away. Like the action is happening to it. We look at the world and think, man, look what the world's doing. And yeah, the world's nuts. But there's an action happening to it. It's being caused to pass away. It, and we can say it like this. The world as we know it, it, it has a, a design flaw in that it is only temporary. <laughs> it's not permanent. It's passing away. And the word passing away in first century was that they would use it to describe the changing of scenes in a, in a theater play. Like a scene, the curtain would fall. And all the props on stage would be removed. And then they would bring new props in. And the curtain would rise and be a whole other scene. So church, the curtain is falling on this world. It's passing away. But look at this. Man, this is so good. Look at this, church. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The world's passing away. So let me ask you this question. If an, if an investor came to you and said, I've got an investment for you, I guarantee you a return the first two years. But then year three, you're going to lose everything. It's going to go belly up. Who in their right mind would invest in anything that you know would go belly up? 
Yet how many of us are desiring and committing to the things of this world, knowing it's going belly up? It's passing away. That's why Jesus said, what does it profit a man? To gain the whole world and forfeit his very soul. Man, it's passing away. But look at this. Now, when you read this, you might think, okay, I see the world over here and the Father over here. And this, they're in opposition to one another. The world and the Father. The world and the Father. The world and the Father. And then we get to verse 17. And look what it says. The world is passing away. Now, you would think the next thing you would expect to read would be, yeah, the world is passing away, but our God abides forever. Isn't that what you think you'd see here? Wouldn't that make sense with the flow of the text? But it doesn't read that way, does it? Now, is that true? Does God abide forever? Say amen. Yes, God abides forever. But you got to understand something. I I tell you, this verse is going to grab you at some point today, and you're going to have a Holy Spirit fit. Because look at what it says. It does not say, the world is passing away, but our God abides forever. Which again is true. But here's what it says. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Church, he includes us. God is including you. He's including me to abide forever. To dwell forever. Wow. He doesn't have to do this. There's nothing in all creation that says God has to include you. And he has to include me. By his grace and his mercy. He includes us that whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do you know it's God's desire that no one is to perish but all come to repentance? Do you know it was God's will to crush His own Son so that you could become a child of God? Do you know that? It was God's will to have Jesus die on the cross so you could become a child of God. So what is the will for God for us? But whoever does the will of God. So what's the will of God for us? Here's the will of God for us, church. As a church, is to fulfill the great commission. It's to obey the great commandment. That's it. Love God, love people. And then make disciples who make disciples. That's God's will for you. That's God's will for me. To point people to Jesus one conversation at a time. To make it hard to go to hell from Hamilton County. That's God's will for us. To be Jesus in our Jerusalem. That's God's will for us. And we desire as a church to see this happen more and more and more. And and by 2030, God has given us a vision. And that vision is going to be accomplished by multiple campuses. One church... With the broadcast campus being 4,000 Dayton Boulevard. With multiple sites around Hamilton County. To reach our county for Christ. And so I've got an exciting announcement to announce. And I'm excited to announce it. You ready to hear it? Anybody ready to hear it? All right, here we go. Here's, Here's the announcement. On November the 14th. That's two Sundays from today. Somebody say two. Yeah, two Sundays from today, our trustees, finance committee, lead team have met and discussed and talked about this. We're bringing a proposal to you, the church, because of course you have to vote on this. 
So it is a proposal that we're bringing to you on November the 14th to start a Christian academy on this campus and at Signal Mountain, at the Point Church at Signal Mountain. Amen? Yes. There it is. PCA, Point Christian Academy, is what we'll call it. Now, let me tell you what we envision here, okay? And this is the 30,000-foot view, because God has really put this together in the last couple of months, and you'll hear more about this on the 14th. In fact, I'm going to interview a gentleman who has helped us through this process, who's actually from Chattanooga. I'll interview him on the stage on November 14th, and then that evening he'll be at our business meeting, which, by the way, will be 5 o'clock in this room. November 14th, and he'll be here to answer questions as will we. But as God's just brought this together, so what we envision is having pre-K launch on this campus in fall of 22 and at the Signal Mountain campus in fall of 22, and then doing pre-K through 8th grade on this campus in fall of 23. And then we'll see what God wants to do with any further grades or high school. We'll, we'll see. That's, that's in God's hands. The whole thing's in His hands. But this is what we're praying for. Now, what I want to do today, I know when I announced Point Christian Academy, you just got a lot of questions, right? I'm sure you got a ton of questions. <laughs> so bring all of them to November the 14th, and we'll answer. We'll be here as long as it takes. Uh, but, but let me say this about four questions that I think I can help us with this morning. And again, these are 30,000-foot view questions. Here's the first one. Why a school? Why do we need to get involved in Christian private education? About seven years ago, I was praying and asking God for a vision for Red Bank Baptist Church, and he led me to John 21, 6. And in John 21, 6, the Bible says, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So I was reading through that and praying through that, and I get to the number 153, which is the number of fish they caught in the net, and God just impressed on me Highway 153. So I got to thinking about our county and our Jerusalem and said, man, we really need to do all that we can to reach our Jerusalem. And so out of that was birthed this 1% that God laid on my heart, 1% of Hamilton County being coming to faith in Christ and connected to one of our campuses by the year 2030, 1%. By that time, before COVID, our population would be 400,000 in 2030. It's probably going to be a lot more since COVID hit. But 1% of that, 4,000 people coming to Christ, connected to one of our campuses. So that was the vision that really drove our multi-site model. And then God gave us the Signal Mountain campus, and he's working through some other ways. And this is one of those ways, is education. So why education? Well, it's going to expose us to more families in our county. And this school will unapologetically be an evangelical conservative school. For the purpose, amen, yes, for the purpose of reaching children and families with the gospel and, and, and discipling them on the path of life. That's going to be, that's the main purpose. And so it will be a ministry of the church. It won't be its own entity. It will be a ministry of our church, and it'll be for the purpose of evangelism. But, and, and let, let me say, this is launching this in no way is communicating to anybody that families that choose public school or home school or other private schools are less than. In no way does this communicate this. God has Brady and Belle, our two girls, he has our family invested in Hickson Middle and Hickson High School. And we're there. That's where God has us. 
And Tanya's in that school more days during the week than she's not. She's heavily involved in everything that she can be involved in as a parent. And we're invested there. And we're pouring into unchurched families. And we got some unchurched kids who come hang out with us at our house. And we're pouring into them. We're passionate about it. We are pro-public school for the purpose of evangelism. Absolutely. Wherever God has you. I also have a conviction that we have failed our Jerusalem. I, I believe this with all my heart. That we have done them a disservice to have all this space that God has blessed us with and all the resources for, for he who much is given, much is required and not offering this sooner. I believe parents ought to have a choice and they ought to have a choice to choose uh, where to, their children are to be educated. And north of the river, there's not a whole lot of options for an evangelical conservative education. And I feel like it is t- it's beyond time. So that leads to the second question. Why now? Why all of a sudden now? Well, first of all, it's really not all of a sudden. My first Sunday here in in June of 2012, I I was receiving, many of you in the receiving line, and I see Ronnie Bull about halfway back, and he has these papers in his hand, these folders in his hand, and he gets up to the front of the line, and he hands them to me and says, Pastor, we've been studying researching, having a school here for years. Here's all our research. We need to start a school. That was nine years ago. Nine years ago. Here's another why now reason. Well, that kind of sets up of a why now. It's really, it's really not all that sudden. So, so why now? Well, a couple of things. The rapid pace our culture is deteriorating, number one. Second, the rapid growth of our county. Do you know our county is growing by leaps and bounds? Nearly 1% a year. No wonder God put 1% on my heart. We're just trying to keep up with the growth. It's growing like gangbusters. And ACIS, it's an accreditation of Christian International Schools, says they have received more requests from churches this year to start schools than any other time in their history. The demand is high. There are three of the largest Christian schools in Hamilton County reported this year the largest enrollment in the history of their school. Their waiting list and turning people away. The demand is enormous. So that's why now. Here's another question. Why not? I mean, think about our church. Church, we have a history. We have a history of having a school. We had something years ago called CDC. Not that CDC. Okay. But Child Development Center. How many of you were a part of that or went to that? Anybody? Look at the hands around here. Man, that's impressive. Yes. Had a kindergarten, I think, even at one time. That was a part of CDC and then CDC or one before the other. That kind of thing. We have a history. I, I picked up bowling recently. Again, I used to bowl when I was younger. And me and a couple of guys, we bowl on Monday nights. Monday night rollers, a league we're in. And Last week we bowled against a team who has an 86-year-old lady on their team. They smoked us. (laughs) Miss Mary is her name. Miss Mary, we were bowling, and Miss Mary, when we started bowling, she said, you know, I worship with y'all every Sunday on television. I watch you every Sunday. I said, well, Miss Mary, I'm glad you're worshiping with us. Thank you. So, Miss Mary, hello. How are you? 
Next time we play, y'all, don't smoke us like that. Please, have some mercy, Miss Mary. And she was telling me that years ago, her daughter went to kindergarten at Red Bank Baptist Church. She was telling me all about that story. That was, that was Monday. So why not? We have a history that says, absolutely. Our location. You can't have a better location than where we're located right here. I mean, seriously, north of the river, great location. Facilities. Let, let, let me try to put it in pr perspective for you. In Knoxville, there's First Baptist Concord in Knoxville. Uh, they've got a huge school and a huge church. They're, they're on about four times as much property as we're on. But their square footage is 70,000 square foot. For a church that's on four times the amount of land we're on. You know how much square footage we have here on this campus? 100,000 square foot. Way more than they do. And it sits here empty all week. We're being very poor stewards of our facilities. And we had our, our consultant, he, he walked through our, our classrooms. He was blown away. In the Norton building, he's blown away. He said, there's no way. Your classrooms are huge. They're double the size of any I've ever seen before. That would, parents would come just for the size of your classroom. He's blown away. He said, it's already sprinkled. It's been renovated from a building cost from, for, for pre-K through eighth grade. He said, there's minimal, if any, cost at all from a building. But you're ready to go. He said, I don't know why you don't have a school now. So location and facilities are saying, are screaming, why not? And the community is asking. We, we receive phone calls in our office about, hey, do y'all have a pre-K? Do y'all have a school? The community's asking. So here's the last question. We'll wrap this up. What's next? So what's next is this. November the 7th, next Sunday, Parenting Forward Conference. Right? We're going to hear more about why this is important to offer parents another option. Right? And then November the 14th, in this room at 5 p.m., uh, we will have, I mean, I'm sorry, not 5 p.m., 4 p.m. on November 14th, 4 p.m., 4 p.m. on November 14th, 5 p.m. next Sunday. I know that can be confusing, but we'll communicate it clearly next week as well. 4 p.m. in this room on November 14th, we're going to have a proposal. So what is that going to look like? Here's what it's going to look like. We're going to ask for a motion. We're going to ask for a second. We're going to have discussion, questions, and those kind of things. And then we'll vote on whether or not to launch PCA Point Christian Academy. So get your questions ready. Get prayed up. And you come. And let's see what God will do as we continue to seek His face and His will in Hamilton County and beyond. Amen, church? We want parents to have the opportunity to choose Christ over culture. We want to give them that opportunity in the space known as education. We want to be a part of the solution and offer them that opportunity to choose Christ over culture. The Bible tells us to choose Christ over culture, to choose the almighty God over the almighty dollar. You can't serve both God and money. you got to pick one. So we want to choose the almighty God, not the almighty dollar. We want to choose the bridegroom and not the bachelor's bachelorette. We want to choose the countercultural Christ over 
cultural Christianity. We want to choose delighting ourselves in, 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 in the decrees of the divine rather than indulging ourselves in the devil's deeds. We want to choose Christ over culture. We want to choose faith in John 3.16 over fear in COVID-19. We want to choose the I am over me, myself, and I. We want to choose kindness to all kinds over kindness to our own kind. We want to choose the Lamb of God over the Democratic donkey and the Republican elephant. We want to choose Christ over culture. We want to choose the Messiah of God over the mess of men, women, boys, and girls. We want to choose pointing people to the head of the church over pointing people to the church. We want to choose the truth that Christ is for every race over critical race theory. We want to choose Christ over culture. We want to choose the Son of God over the man of sin. We want to choose heaven's treat over hell's trick. Choose Christ over culture because He chose. Amen. Because He chose you. He chose you. He chose to go to the cross and die in your place and in my place. He chose that. He chose, the Holy Spirit chose to draw you unto salvation. He chose that to stir your heart. He did that. He he chose you to be a part of this church at this time, in this age. He chose you for this time. So choose Him. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll help those that are worshiping with us.